to the Canny Conversations podcast, Conversations with a Cause, with social entrepreneur Safraz Ali. Saf came relatively late to entrepreneurship after working in both the public and private sectors. He coined a phrase that describes what he does as the mad entrepreneur that's make a difference entrepreneurship. As well as being the author of the Canny Bites books, Saf's business interests cover health and social care, business and corporate events, as well as him being the CEO of Pathway Group, a welfare to work and skills provider. In these podcasts, he shares his thoughts with journalist Adrian Kibler. So let's join the conversation. Hello and welcome to Canny Conversations with Safra Zali. These are conversations with a cause that we hope will captivate your interest cannily. Hello, Saf, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. Lovely to lovely to have you with us. We're going to talk about something uh, on this occasion, which is perhaps a little bit different. We're going to talk about scaling. We're going to be talking about how to, to, to make a, a small business a, a bigger business. And we're also going to bring into the conversation Dolly the Sheep. Mm. Which is interesting. What do you know about Dolly, Seth? Dolly, that's a blast from the past, isn't it? it is. uh, whether it's 20 years ago or 30 years ago, I can't recall, but it was about cloning and, and obviously headline news at the time. Um, so, yeah, Dolly the sheep. Now, Dolly was the, 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 the first but when you the think about animal Do- to, be, yeah. to be cloned. And the reason we're going to mention it, well, you're going to tell us why we're going, well, why we're going to bring cloning into this conversation. Um, but first of all, let, let's talk about some of the challenges mm. uh, with scaling. Uh, I mean, one of the points that you've made to me in the past is that there's a different mindset and a, and a set of different skills required to scale a business mm. than there is to set it up. So tell yeah. me a bit about that. I think, yeah, we've, we've had many conversations when we when we get the opportunity to talk about different things and so forth. And, and I think the conversation came around scaling a business. And I said, well, actually, scaling a business requires different level of skill sets. It's not just about having top class A players. A lot of it is about the robustness, the rigor of systems, processes, and procedures really to systemize and grow a business. It's not relying necessarily on people. So if you're relying too much on people, people aren't scalable. And this is where your example came in terms of Dolly. And it's about how do you clone A players Firstly, no one individual is bigger than the company. And we've had situations where, you know, individuals and even, I know you like talking about football analogies where, you know, you've got a a first class player isn't bigger than the team. And having sometimes A class players can be quite disruptive in nature. You know, it could be the form of conflict. It can, you know, put people's backs up. It could be an element where you're moving away from the core purpose and you're putting fires out as the, the leader of the business or as, you know, managers and you're focusing on other things and conflict and the whole trouble areas as opposed to really how do you, how do you, how do you grow the business? But in terms of uh, scaling a business, it's not really about people. The problem is high achievers, top achievers, usually aren't scalable. You know, we know that the business needs systems processes. They can be scaled, they can be grown. And having an A player isn't really the solution to scaling a business. Scaling a business is about rigor, robustness, and it's the detail. Doesn't that, though, to some extent depend upon the nature of the business? What I mean by that is if 
you know, if you're a, a creative agency, a design yes. agency, yeah. or if you're a photographic agency, then you can scale processes in terms of the, the way in which, you know, designs are printed and photographs are yeah. printed and all the rest of it. But but essentially, you, you, you cannot move away from a situation in which you, you do have a high level of dependency upon the individual, and that's also true perhaps of some other sectors like, you know, architecture, for example. Mm. Um, you know, you, you, the skill of the architect, uh, you can scale the kit that they use, but is it very different for some industries? I mean, is it, it, for sectors where there is inevitably a, a high degree of individual input, are they, in your view, therefore more difficult to scale than perhaps production processes? I think when we're talking about sort of skill sets and having world-class players or world-class people and you talked about your photography example and the architect and so forth the, the you know people may specifically be after those individuals because of their skill sets but as a business as a company you know there's a capacity that individual can only do so much so if you're looking to grow your business you know if, if you've got a world-class architect in your organization fine you'll attract certain business uh, certain clientels who will only go for that for that individual, but how do you grow that business outside that individual? Otherwise, the dependency of that person that you have is a high risk, and business is about mitigating risks, understanding your risks, and growing the things that they can grow, and really being in a position where you can scale up. And it's really scaling up requires systems, processes, methods, methodologies that allows you to take on more clients. So yes, you need people who are talented and you need individuals who've got skill sets that they bring in. And that merging with the system, the processing allows the business then to, to grow. And I think, you know, yes, we're talking about the same thing, but I think we're just coming around in a, from a, from our different perspectives. I mean, in a, in a slightly different context, there's a, a surgeon, a brain surgeon mm. called Henry Marsh, who who's written some excellent books. Uh, and and one of the things uh, this is related to brain surgery, but he's saying is just because you can isn't is not a reason why you should. Uh, and therefore, what about the motivation for scaling? I mean, uh, if somebody's got a successful business, what questions should they ask themselves before they make the decision to scale? Because scaling presumably is not right for everybody. No, it's not. No, 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 it's not. And you've got you've got to have your why in terms of why you're doing it, and you've got to have your uh, real reasons in terms of you know is the business ready to ready to do so. And there's a number of ingredients, a number of factors that you've you've got to look at, and you've got to overcome those to be in a position where you feel that you can grow. And even growth from uh, you know, the, the way we sort of see grow is growth isn't the same as scaling a business. And and I think it's really getting down to the to the nitty gritty of that really in terms of the, the purpose, but also uh, it's not just about ambition. It's not just about the fact that, you know, we want to do it, but it's, uh, do we have all the right benchmarks, all the, the, the systems and the processes, all the right ingredients for allowing us to scale. But if you go back to the beginning and, and, you know, where we sort of started our conversations, some of it here and some of it, uh, offline, we talked about the fact that you know, in in individuals where you know, we, you know, the example that I you know, I was talking about is that you know we've had situations where we've hired a top performer, an individual who had a you know who had a credible record, who was a top performer, came into our organization, and then what we found was uh, you know we were open minded to the fact that he was going to bring in a new way of thinking, 
and I'm talking about a particular example here, so I'll refer to he because in our particular case it is, but he or she, if the person brings in a new way of thinking, you know, he's come from a different particular climate, a new environment, we've got to be open to re-looking ourselves, re-engineering ourselves and, and, and be in a position where we can be challenged. But it's getting that balance right because sometimes what happens is that individual, because they are top performance, they've got a track record, they've been there, done it, they've got the t-shirt, they've got this thing, the fact that they know it all, they're coming in, they're coming in with so many ideas that it sort of starts overwhelming individuals and it starts getting a bit too much. And I think, you know, this is where it starts becoming a little bit more revolutionary, where in some cases we, we need to look at evolutionary processes. And I think it's it's an element where it's not just necessarily about us. You know, we're open-minded. We, you know, we want to grow. This is the reason why we brought the individual in. That person comes in and they want to change the world in one day. They want, and they've got these behaviors. And part of the time, you find that their tolerance levels are quite low because they, they get frustrated, they get agitated, and because the things aren't going as fast as they wish that they are, and we're trying to slow them down, there's an element of frustration. And this is where the disruptive nature comes in and it moves you away from the benefit of having that person in. And you've had many talented people where they've delivered results, they've produced results, they've got the track record, but they come to an environment and they, even though both parties are coming in for the better good, it doesn't work. It doesn't gel. And I think this is where, even though we've got flexibility in mind, it, it may not work. You know, it may not work because of other people in that environment who are, you know, the steady eddies who've done, you know, who've proven their worth over a many period of time, or it may not work because things sometimes are a lot slower than what we plan the, them to be. And I think this is where the frustration comes in. So either the individual in that case, particular case then leaves because they feel that they've not made the impact that they wanted to make or the, the organization needs to protect the culture and think about maybe exiting that individual out or coming to a compromise. And I think this is where, you know, things don't work out. So having sometimes A players and, and star people in, in all different industries. And, you know, we've got in our industry in, the, in terms of the skill sector where, you know, people have, you know, leaders who've taken a business from A to B, you know, A to Z even, and have got that track record and you want to bring them in because you want the same level of success, but it doesn't work. These conversations that we're having are based upon uh, the Canny Bike Business books yes. uh, that you've done. And I know that you're writing uh, in the process of looking at doing another book at some point in mm. the future in which you look very specifically at, at this issue of scaling. Uh, I mean, I think what you've just said is that, you know, sometimes you can bring a, a top performer into a, a business or a team, yeah. but for all their uh, great abilities and talents, because they kind of don't fit in and they, they're not going at the pace of everybody else, they can actually uh, end up doing more harm than good. Isn't that, though, Saf, partly about something that we've talked about in the earliest days, which is recruitment? Uh, um, mm. I mean, it, sometimes, you know, you might have somebody sort of at a candidate for a job, you know, who's got a massive, you know, massive skills and all the rest of it. And yet, as we've said earlier on, it might be that you decide they're not the right person, not because 
they don't have the skills or, or, or the vision or the rest of it, but because they're not going to fit in in terms of taking other people with them in terms of what they're trying to achieve. Doesn't that further illustrate the, the, the importance of getting recruitment, correct? Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, recruitment is, is the thing, but it's, it's the team environment. So, you know, when you're looking at recruitment, you're looking at that individual in terms of their knowledge, skills and behaviours, looking at, you know, attracting the best that you can. But you've got to be conscious, aware of the team that they're coming into, the environment of that. Otherwise, you know, in danger of a dysfunctional team and it can, go, it can backfire. You know, I see my job as, as a founder of a business, as a leader, to clear the path for my team. You know, to to make their lives easier as possible, to, to for them to focus on the right things, to get the results that they're striving for, and a lot of that is about overcoming issues. A lot of that is about harmony, and you know, I want to be in a position where everybody gets on in a positive light. Yes, yes, they can disagree on certain things, but there's a ways of of disagreeing um so you can challenge the the matter but not the person it themselves and really push each other so it's the environment that you want to try and create you have a high performing environment and you know again we go back to our definition of a team our definition of a team is you know we're a team not because we work together but because we help each other and improve that's the core back definition of our team so yes my job is to trying to recruit the best that we can, but I've got to be conscious and aware of the environment that is coming in, the purpose of that role, the purpose of what we're trying to do and really getting into that next level of growth. So a lot of the businesses, you know, you have the aspiration that people take you up to a certain level and then you've got to look at what's next. How do you get to a position where, you know, you can improve and deliver more? So we go back to, you know, systems are predictable, Sometimes people are not, people aren't predictable, don't rely too much on individual talent. We have to rely somewhat on systems, somewhat on our processes and scale our business, not just on people, because again, people are not necessarily all predictable, but scale it on the systems because the systems are something that you can turn on, turn off, control. And, you know, if you think about, again, when you think about systems, automatically, I think we start thinking about people like McDonald's, organizations like McDonald's, because they've scaled their business on systems. You know, it's not necessarily people. Yes, you know, there's there's people behind it in terms of the vision and, and the mission, but it's very much systems led. And, and this is where, you know, if somebody's looking to buy a franchise, because they've got a model that works, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but looking at the the qualities required from a, a leader of a business that's looking to expand, I mean, you, you've made the point in the past that often there's somebody who's brilliant at setting up a business, a founder, is not always the person um, who's the best leader when you move to the next level. I mean, I think uh, I can't remember the name, but you gave me an example of somebody who set up a business, and I'm I'm really struggling for the name. But they actually stepped aside from the the top person role because they recognised that they were the, not the right person yes. to take it to the next level. Can you remember who that was? It was it was a great example. I think it was somebody from the Bromsgrove area or a clothing business. Or do you remember? Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's, I think there's a few, a few examples that we've 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 spoken about. I mean, I think it may have been uh, uh, Jim Shark. 
that we we spoke about what i said ben francis is is the individual that you know who had the inspiration for the brand he's he's still the figurehead he's the founder he's known as the founder there was somebody else as well who was who was a co-founder but he uh, lewis morgan i think the the name is but he was the the main shareholder the inspiration and then you know he realized the fact that you know if he wants to grow the business scale the business it requires robustness it requires systems processes and and this is where his entrepreneurial flair his his innovative ideas you know in terms of marketing the skill sets that he had he had to sort of really look at individuals who focus on the numbers the figures the the systemization of it even marketing is a science it's not it's not necessarily creativity it's about the science behind it and he then you know looked at implementing a team around him and stepped down as the leader of that business the ceo to more of a brand uh, sort of ambassador people see him as the, the the leader and the head of the organization but his role now is playing to his strengths and he's right and, and and the reason that we spoke about the example and we have other examples as well but i think that specific example we spoke about where you know he was conscious of his skill sets and he stepped aside because he wanted to play to his strengths and he was in a position where you know he had the opportunity to to do so sometimes people don't have that people don't have the opportunity to do so they've got there's nobody else so they 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 find that they they can't let go and it's really about partly it's about letting go and it's about being in a position where the business does the work for you you know and again you know one of the examples that we talked about in in our previous uh series was the fact that our definition of a business is where you know the business runs itself it's the systems and the processes where you're not necessarily running that business so it's a profitable commercial profitable enterprise that runs without necessarily you having to be there all the time but that's a big thing isn't it that i mean wow 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 yeah. that's a big thing isn't it to create something that's become successful and to actually be big enough and brave enough to to say look you know i'm not the person to take this to the next level that the that requires a particular sort of person to be able to do that, and, and, surely. And to do that at a, such a young age as well and, and be sort of, uh, you know, self-aware, uh, be conscious about it, I think that's a, that is a brave thing. And I think on top of that, letting go of your baby, uh, per se, or letting go of something that you've created is a, is a tough thing because people hang on and people, you know, want to do things their way. And it's easy to say, but, you know, sometimes you've got to listen to, the experts and listen to other people to sort of try and challenge your own thinking for the better good of the business and and you've got to start thinking what is in the best interest of the company that you're in what is in the best interest of in our case pathway what's in the acting the best interest of say not netflix i mean that's where where the, that comes from acting the best interest of that organization and if you're in the best interest of that organization there's an element of selflessness that comes in there's an element where you will be more conscious more aware and make decisions for the right reasons yeah and and don't you think Seth as well sometimes um and I go back to the you know the Henry Mars thing at the beginning just because you can yes doesn't necessarily mean that you should and you that should, it's the yeah. best thing to do I mean I'm going to give you an example from my early when I moved out of the corporate world and started you know the PR consultancy yes. 
one of my very first clients was a, was a lovely man. I'm not, I'm not going to name him. Yeah. If, he rec- if he listens, he's probably going to recognise himself. But he had a, a, a really successful yes. little building business. Mm. Um, and one day, basically, he, he got a contract with one of the, the, the big national house builders to do some work for them. And I remember the day he won that contract, we, we all went out and we had a you know, a glass of tea together and, and was celebrating and all the rest of it. And I remember six months later he was in tears mm, mm. because what had happened is he had he'd bitten off more than he could chew. Yeah. Uh, he'd got into a big contract with a major house builder. Things hadn't gone as they planned. The house builder had some clauses within those contracts mm. that meant that if you didn't do the work to scale, you know, in a particular time scale, there were penalty clauses. Mm. And he ended up losing his business. So scaling is not something to be entered into lightly, is it? Scaling is high risk. I mean, business growing a business is, is risk. And one of the riskiest things is growing too fast. We've heard that before many times where that's a common risk that comes in. You know, opportunities are coming your way and it's the ability to say no. And it's not, this is not about ambition or, you know, not having foresight, but sometimes you've got to be aware of the fact that it might, might not be right. And we have a culture, you know, where people say, well, say yes and then work out how to do it. And that that's a common frame that works out and that could be at your detriment. So, you know, sometimes using these sort of phrases or, you know, motivational sort of speeches. And if you take it literally, then it can be damaging. I'm not saying, you know what, don't be ambitious, don't have high expectations, don't, you know, look to grow. But at the same time, biggest power at the moment is to say no to certain things and be able to sort of define what you're about, why you're doing it, and sometimes be a little bit more strategic, but also where the opportunity is there, take the opportunity if it's right for you. Yeah, you can be strategic, but also be opportunity driven. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's getting that balance and then being able to change your mind, adjust yourself accordingly, because that's the journey we're in. You know, we don't, yes, we can be fixed in some aspects of it, but at the same time, there's an element of flexibility. And the two go hand in hand. I mean, but help me, help me, help. Yes. Help me, help so many people listening to this podcast who've got this dilemma in the head you know there's an opportunity to grow the business there's an opportunity to scale the business but you've also talked in other contexts about you know how easily it is to self-sabotage yeah and you know you can always talk yourself into not doing something well i mean i'm talking for myself but i'm sure that i'm also talking for a lot of other people there are huge conflicts and you know you spend sleepless nights thinking should i shouldn't i what's the guiding principle I, there's no there's no silver bullet i mean the the you know things break down you know large large organizations uh websites banking system you know it breaks and that goes in many many ways but it's about really uh, risk mitigation. It's about understanding your risks. It's about strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. It's r- the planning. It's really a lot of that, but at the same time, being able to adjust, adapt, react, being resilient, being able to get up, problem solving, all of those skills come in. So you can only plan up to a certain level. 
I'm trying to think of the example, isn't it? You can plan, but all everything goes out of the window when you get the first punch or whatever. There's something, something that I can't, I can't completely think of. You might be able to help me out later on. Well, the but, military say, don't there's, yeah. there's a military saying that you know all, all plans last until the first shots fired. Yeah, don't, don't yeah, they? yeah. You know, there's this, there's, this, there's this thing called life that tends to to get in the way, and you know disrupt all our, and, our plans so and, uh, I and think plans what, plans different um, most plans don't go to plan most plans don't go to plan and you know you can plan so much but it's like with anything isn't it it's like you know we've 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 heard the saying and we've you know, heard this before where you know government procures a contract and you know they have a budget and it goes all out of the window you know you get a builder these days and you think it's going to cost x amount and it's, it's x plus whatever else 20 percent on top or 50 percent on top these 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 things will happen that's like that's life but and the end of the day is uh you know you create systems you create processes you have the people you have you know there's so many ingredients there's so many things that you've got to juggle as a person generally people leaders they want everybody to work in harmony they want everybody to run smoothly and it, it doesn't happen and and we've got to intervene We've got to make, clear the path in some cases, look at the culture, look at you know what we're doing. And at times it's about really creating that environment of growth, environment of continuous improvement and re-looking, you know, planning, acting, implementing, redoing. It's in a the, continuous in the, cycle. In the, in the dying embers of this podcast, yes. yeah. um, we've talked really about, you know, growth through kind of doing more of what you already do and, yeah. and, uh, and growing the business in that way. I just want to briefly touch on one of the other ways in which you can scale and grow a business, and that's through acquisitions. Acquisitions, yeah. You know, you've got, at a global level, you've got, you know, example of Volkswagen who, you know, have gone through a process. They bought Audi, Seat, Bentley, Boeing acquired McDonnell Douglas. I mean, how do you feel about growing a business, Bob, through acquisition rather than through the growth of the uh, of the primary business. I mean, whenever I think about about acquisitions, I keep thinking about the uh, the nineteen eighties and the, uh, the the companies that used to sort of buy and build and and acquire and continuously do deals, mergers, mergers and acquisitions, and they were continuously looking to acquire to streamline, and it, a lot of it was about cost saving at the time. And, you know, when you start thinking about acquisitions, you start thinking about redundancies, you start, start thinking about efficiencies, so-called efficiencies. And I think thinking these days is more about buying and building and playing to people's strengths and being able to do more. It's not the mega acquisitions where, you know, you've got a, a $1 billion company and another billion dollar company and they come together so they can sort of cost save for shareholder value. This is about, in some aspects of it, the SME businesses where they're merging to grow together, to service more, to do more, and be in a position where two plus two is the five, mm. as opposed to you know the, the the cost savings of head office count or people count and so forth. So the whole buy and build thinking is changed. So now it's more really about acquiring to either acquire people. So there's a definition called acquire, you know, Google and, and Facebook and all these sort of organizations that are the big tech companies acquire organizations for technology, for that competitive advantage, or to take people on to give them that advantage because they could slot that in. And if you look at your phone and, and the technology within that, not all of that was developed by Apple or by by your phone maker. It was acquired 
So it's who's got that intellectual property, who's got the technology, who's leading on that, and really looking at it from uh, acquisition for competitive advantage to gain rather than to merge or acquire something to cut people or... Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's a, it, it, it's a separate podcast on its own right, yeah. this business of acquisition. Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about acquisition and we've also talked about, you know, growing a, a business organically. What about diversification? In fact, you know, starting to do, do other things. You know, sometimes that can be a great idea and sometimes that can divert attention from the you know the core the core business and what the bit take the business's mind away from what it's really good at do, do you not agree and finally Saf, we've talked about scaling and we've talked about growth uh, are, are those words interchangeable or is there a difference i think people yeah well let's tackle the the the, the second bit first or the last bit first scale up is uh, I, I tell you I tell you something that I'll, I'll share with you and I, I've read this and I my go-to whenever I whenever I talk about scaling is a report that was done approximately six years ago uh, by a lady called Cheryl Kutu who was commissioned by the UK government at the time and the report is about scaling and you know it talks about scaling what's what are the ingredients for scaling and it's quite clear in there in terms of what percentage they're talking about so it's a scaling requires a certain level of percentage it's quite defined there's a de- there is a definition i'm not i don't know it offhand but there is a scale-up report so if you just go into google type in scale-up report type in the lady cheryl kutu you'll get a full report it's probably about 60 70 pages and he really defines it quite clearly exactly what scaling is what the definition of scaling is and even there he talks about what a high performance business is and it really goes into definitions like 20 percent if, if a business is growing annually by 20 percent then there's a scale of business uh, otherwise the growth is a growth so you know it's really it, it's quite defined and i think that is my go-to uh, otherwise, as you, you're right, these words are used interchangeably, just like we've talked about before about, you know, when people talk about objectives and strategy and tactics and goals and so forth, a lot of these words are used interchangeably, but they are clear deficient definitions. And really, this Cheryl Kutu report, the Scale-Up report and the Scale-Up Institute report is definitely freely available. Just type that into Google and you you will be able to get really insight in terms of that report what the ingredients are how does that work what the what the risks are and again it'll go back in terms of systems and processes and so forth but i mean diver- sorry no i was saying that, that that's fascinating stuff i mean uh, and just briefly about diversification i mean you know in the business i'm involved in we're sort of doing some diversification from our core, which is communications into looking at getting involved in sort of international trade and that kind of thing. But would you advise me to diversify? I mean, uh, what are the benefits and what are the risks? Fairly briefly, if you can. I think sometimes people diversify uh, a bit too quickly. And, you know, that's one of the risks that we have as as business owners and as entrepreneurs. We try and look at mitigating risk. And what we try and do is look at another stream of income, multiple sort of streams of income. And that's where we start thinking about, you know, what, and what happens is you lose focus. And when you start losing focus, that's one of the risks where your core, uh, what you're known for, you know, product you're known for, that advantage isn't there. You know, yes, we can diversify and there's different levels of diversifying and there's different verticals. You could diversify in terms of an ecosystem. So, you know, if you think there's a sort of an ecosystem of products that you have, then that diversification might be something 
that you could look out for, again, competitive advantage. So if you're diversifying into an area which doesn't benefit your core purpose and your core product, then that could be too much diversification. So it really needs to be into that context. No, I think I think you're saying, you know, keep your eye on the ball and um, and we're having to keep our eye on the clock. I mean, I mean there's because, a saying, um, isn't it? You know, sometimes, you know, you know, people say, well, I, wanna, I don't want to put my all my eggs in one basket. And, and sometimes you say, well, actually, you can put all your eggs in one basket, but keep an eye on that basket. I mean, keep a closer eye on that basket. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm keeping an eye on the clock and um, and we've run out of time. So we're going to have to curtail this canny conversation with a cause, um, but we're hoping that, uh, that that people will decide to catch up on their convenience, catch up at their convenience uh, and join us next time. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this canny conversation with a cause. These conversations are based upon the Canny Bites books by Safraz Ali, available on Amazon. To find out more, go online and visit Saf's website, pathwaygroup.co.uk, or join him on social media. He can be contacted at safraz at pathwaygroup.co.uk. This is a 1386 audio production.